0: In the early 18th century, Spanish explorers built a military stronghold in a natural harbor on the southeastern coast of South America. This harbor was built on the northern shore of the aptly named Rio de la Plata, or River of Silver, named after the silver trinkets early explorers acquired in trade with the indigenous Guarani people. The Rio de la Plata is fed by two rivers, the Parara River, and the Uruguay, a Spanish interpretation of the native Guarani word for river full of the indigenous Uru birds. This harbor, located at modern-day Montevideo, became a maritime hub, and control of her ports were fiercely contested by all the nearby major powers. And at times, Montevideo was under Spanish... Portuguese, Argentine, Brazilian, and even British control. But in the 1820s, the fight for independence was successful, and in 1828, Uruguay became independent, with Montevideo as its capital. Just over 100 years later, in 1930, the city of Montevideo would once again be the staging ground for fierce international battles. As the inaugural FIFA World Cup was held entirely within her borders. The result was not much of a surprise, as the two time defending Olympic champions and host nation went undefeated en route to their first and the first World Cup victory. And to show the world this was no fluke, they would add a second World Cup title two decades later, the next time they chose to compete in the event. This week on Joe Pixa World Cup team, Uruguay
1: Joe picks
0: a World Cup team. The state's no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it
1: have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team, he's crossing
0: borders to find out who's for him, what more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe Picking passport, so grab your
2: bottle and pour, let's hope he doesn't start a war.
0: Damn, that intro has me psyched. This team, this country, is very, very interesting and exciting because it's the first time, Joe, honestly, we're talking about a country that... Has won the World Cup. Not once, but twice. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm ready. I'm not sure if we are willing to call them a modern-day football power, but they're absolutely a historic football power. And they're, of all the teams we've covered, by far the most powerful of them.
2: I mean, dare I say, clearly the Green Bay Packers of world football. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Definitely the Green Bay. That's why they call it the uh, Uruguayan Trophy. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Or, whoever whoever they're The Montevideo. The <laughs> Coupa Monte Coupa de Montevideo. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's what everybody's fighting for. Before we get into this tantalizing episode about Uruguay, where we have so many facts and figures and everything in the last podcast, something was brought up that where you teased the audience, where you said, in the upcoming World Cup, you're going yes. to be in one of the active countries. Now, you never told us Correct. what it was, and you're still, you're not going to reveal I'm that. I'm going to wait till, till the episode
2: where we're talking about that team, but I will tell you,
0: it's not Uruguay. It's not Uruguay. okay. Could have guessed that, could have guessed that. But, you did tell the story of when you were in the World Cup in Italy. Yes. And of course, at that time... Italy was playing the World Cup, and Italy was in the World Cup. So basically, I was thinking, we're doing this podcast about the World Cup, about these countries all throughout the world, and we need to show people how worldly we are. So I think we need to play a little game, Joe. From the poolside studio in sunny Cancun, Mexico, it's how many World Cup countries have you been to? Joseph Mizrahi, sitting right across from me. You're the first and only contestant on How Many World Cup Countries Have You Been To? All right, that was it. That was it, okay. Well, Dan, you're going to tell me how many you've been to, too, right? Of course. Wait, wait, wait. So here's how this game's going to work, Joe. Okay. First, I'm going to tell you how many I've been to. I'm going to set the stage, set the bar. Then you're going to bid over or under on that, whether you've been to more or less. And then after you reveal, you'll know whether you are right or not. But I know how many I've been to. It's not a very well-designed game, Joe. How
2: about this? You don't tell me how many you've been to. And I'm just going to guess right now whether
0: I think I'm over or under where you are. Well, I don't like that game as much, Joe, but go.
2: I think I've been to fewer than you.
0: You think you've been to fewer than me?
2: Only because as I went down the list, I realized that all the near-miss countries I've been to, I've been to the Netherlands, I've been to Italy. I, obviously, I'm from the USA. And I've been to a lot of countries that are also, like, no, like I've been to Israel a bunch, I've been to Canada a bunch, you know, like, that are not even close to getting in. And then when I went down the list, I'm like, ah, oh, actually, it's, I have whole continents that are just untouched by Mizrahis.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, I think it's less. Even though the country where the Mizrahis came from is actually in the World Cup this year.
2: But I've never been there.
0: Oh, that hurts. All right, Joe. Well, if you think, if you bet fewer... You go first. Let's, okay. let's see what you've got. Okay. France. Iceland.
2: Switzerland. Germany. Mexico, obviously. Belgium. England.
0: Japan. Eight. Eight countries, Joe. I've never been to Central
2: America, never been to South America, never been to Africa.
0: So, off the map. Joe. Dan. Dan. I'm so disappointed in myself that I did not get the prices Right sound effects to go with this. So we're going to have to, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're going to have to do it. You're just going to have to do it. So I'm going to read my list. France, Germany, England, Spain, Belgium, Mexico, Australia.
1: Oh,
2: wow. Bow, 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 bow. Yeah.
0: No, but you win. But I won. Ding, 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 yes. ding, ding, ding.
2: Okay. So I, I, I'm I curious about our fans, though. Super fans. I'm
0: I mean, actually a little embarrassed, us. I was hoping you'd be in at least the teams.
2: I feel like I should have been. But I, But How are we hosting a stupid podcast? Look, if the normal teams that would get in got in, we'd all be...
0: Wait, together have we gone to at least 10 of them? Because yes. I've gone, been to Australia. Yes,
2: and Spain, which I haven't been to.
0: You've yet. never been to Spain? No, I know. Oh, then we'll definitely... Okay, so you've got Iceland on me. You've got Switzerland on me. What's the other one? Japan. Japan. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, so together... Tennis, we've
2: been to almost half of the teams. We've been to 12 of them
0: together. Yeah.
2: I'm curious about our fans, and who amongst our fans has been to the most World Cup
0: countries yeah me too
2: like what do you think the highest number is i mean do we have a fan that's been to all 32 countries that seems like not possible
0: that's impossible yeah i think there's we've got it there's got to be a fan who's been to at least 16 of them
2: at least 16 yeah okay yeah i don't have a fan that's been to
0: 16 do we i have think... a
2: fan in the 20s 20 or higher
0: do you think no that, i think that's impossible But I know somebody who I'm sure has been to at least 16, but he has a big advantage, which is he's, his parents or his like grandparents live in South America. So I think he's banged out a lot of the South American. Yeah,
2: I think, yeah. I mean, I mean, South America, once you travel around South America, you're, you're hitting a tunnel.
0: You're just banging them out.
2: Yeah. So are we going to do a prize for whoever has been to the most countries?
0: Well, Joe, it's great that you asked this. (laughs) <laughs> For the the person who's been to the most World Cup countries, Joe.
2: We need, like, the model who you know Bob Barker has, like, sexually harassed
0: multiple times. Hey, hey. <laughs> There's no evidence of that, Joe. Bob Barker's a good person. He helps control the pet and animal <laughs> populations. What should we give them? We can't give them the Cup of Joe. Tony's already won no. that.
2: No. This is what I think. I think all-expense-paid trip to... The World Cup.
0: Joe, why why don't we give that to ourselves? Hold on, pause. We're not saying which World Cup. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Done. A World Cup. A World Cup. All-expense-paid trip. On this podcast. On this podcast. All right. When do you think the next World Cup... Well, our superfan... In fact, the superfan who's gone to the most probably doesn't live in the U.S. Maybe. Maybe not. But... Imagine if it's Yannick, our German fan. Boom! We just have so to how, wait till the next ones in Germany. So how should they tell us? Well, they—if you have been to more than so, you've got the lead between the two of us at eight. If yep. you've been to more than eight World Cup countries, send in the list of countries you've been to to World Cup at JoePixPod.com. On the next podcast, we will announce the winner. We will announce which of our fans is the most World Cuply. Yep. Yeah, because yep. it's not worldly. No, World well, cup Because going to these, you know... Right, you could have been to, to every country that is in the World Cup. Oh, this is on a loop, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> I forgot that I was playing. Let's
2: just do it for the whole podcast. <laughs> it does. Uh, it's is really great. keeping background. The energy Yeah.
0: Well, maybe that in the, like, eight cups of coffee you're getting. Yep. Joe, you're... Joe ordered a cup of a thing of coffee for four, but he's only drinking out of one cup, so I think tonight you're drinking out of multiple cups, so it doesn't...
2: I am. I'm drinking from multiple cups, so the room service people won't judge
0: me. Yeah, yeah. They were judging you, Joe. All right, so that's fun. Yep. Our fans out there, send it in how many countries you've been to. I, if, I were, if I were in the prices right bidding, I would bid, I don't know. I'd, I'd honestly bid under 16. That's I a lot. I probably have
2: someone in the 20s. No, nah, that's crazy. But if you're bidding under 16, then I'll just say 16 or higher.
0: Yeah. As a good prices right strategy. Well, you would bid 17. Well, I, yeah, I'll bid, I bid 15. Fine. 16. All right. All right. And I'll get the prices right uh, sound effects when, when we can announce that. All right. With that out of the way, Joe, let's talk about Uruguay. Let's talk about Uruguay. I'm ready. Yeah. I teased everybody with the intro. I really, the, the whole podcast should just be the intro. That's the best part of the podcast, Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. We've learned all we need to know. Though
2: I do miss the puns a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think that we're now setting the stage well you know what the fans can decide the fans will give feedback about which intro they like better it's obviously this one come on but now that with that intro out of the way we already know the general gist of Uruguay we already in a earlier podcast had sort of learned the fact that Uruguay did host the first World Cup of course the World Cup where the United States got third which is awesome but out of five teams no it was not I now I've got the research on it Joe well You know, we'll get into it later. I mean, now is the time to get into it. But first, we need a little background information on this country. We've gotten some, but let's get a little more. Everybody's favorite segment, Homeland Handbook. Uruguay declared its independence and secured its freedom in 1828 after a three-year struggle. The administrations of President José Bato in the early 20th century launched a widespread political social, and economic reforms that established a statist tradition. A violent Marxist urban guerrilla movement named the Tupamaros, launched in the late 1960s, led Uruguay's president to cede control of the government to the military in 1973. By year end, the rebels had been crushed, but the military control continued to expand its hold over the government but civilian rule was restored in 1985. In 2004, the left of center Fronte Aplio coalition won national elections that effectively ended 170 years of political control previously held by the Colorado and national parties. Uruguay's political and labor coalitions are among the freest on the continent. A person who lives in this country is known as a Uruguayan. A group of them would be Uruguayans, and they're all Uruguayan. The official language is Spanish, however, portunol and Brasileiro are spoken. For religion, 47% of the population is Roman Catholic, another 33% are other Christian denominations, and Atheist or Agnostic makes up another 17%. The Jews come in at 0.3% of the population. <laughs> and the capital city, as we already know, is... So if I, if I
2: went down there, it would be like point, point
0: 0.4. Well, we don't know, Joe. We haven't gotten to the population okay. part. And the capital city is, of course, Montevideo. Now, Joe, let's get into it. Let's go. Joe guesses based on whatever. That segment still needs a name. Joe! What is the chief export of Uruguay?
2: All right, Dan, I've been thinking about this for the last minute. I think Uruguay is small ish relative to other South American countries. I'm going to guess that it's not like an agricultural thing because you need land to farm. You mentioned silver, so that's what I'm going to guess. You said silver trinkets? Silver. Those sweet Uruguayan silver mines. That's a good whistle, right? I got it. He's an idiot. Oh yeah. Idiot.
0: Silver trinkets may have been their chief export back in the eighteenth century, Joe, but not anymore. Their chief export is none other than meat. Oh man. Meat. Delicious South American meat, Joe. And their second chief export, in direct contrast to your reasoning, is oil seeds. Which are the type of seeds that make like olive oil, yeah, olive oil or like um motor oil <laughs> 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 not motor oil, like uh, things that are come from seeds like canola oil is that a seed
2: yeah, I don't know that's corn, I think
0: well, there are just take my word for it, right. there are oils flaxseed oil, yes, okay, oils that have come up from seeds that is their second largest export, Joe so yeah, I would
2: assume that, that whoever's making the oil that comes from flaxseed oil would also be like. The, 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 the thing they're producing isn't seed for oil. It'd be like we're the nation – or like the world's biggest flax producer. We also have these flax seeds that will turn into oil for you.
0: But that's not what they do. They just – Uruguay must have a great environment for the seeds seed and they just export them out. Because Joe, as we know, they're right next to the Uruguay River, also to the Rio de la Plata – they're a, it's a harbor country. Yeah, yeah, they just make it ship it, ship it somewhere Exporting else. They it process play. it. Yeah, ship it to the fucking Brazilians. Let them deal with it. Well, you probably wouldn't need to ship it to the Brazilians. You could just like drive it to the Brazilians. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I didn't do the thing of pointing at Uruguay on the map for fear that you would have cheated to, just to get it right.
2: I think I could do it.
0: All right. Well, what countries does Uruguay border, Joe?
2: Well, I think you said it in your intro: Argentina and Brazil,
0: because they've been like
2: occupied by both. I don't know what else. Maybe Paraguay? I don't think you could pick up Paraguay on a map. Well, I mean, there's not that many South American countries, so, like, probably I could get lucky
0: and pick it out on that. map. Wow. I, look, I don't know.
2: <laughs> like, okay. The thing about the South American map, though, is that, like, you know, it's not like in other parts of the world where, like, every country is, like, a square, basically. Like, we're yeah, yeah. very distinctively shaped countries.
0: Yeah. So, Joe, look. A, you're exactly right. Golazo! <laughs> Golazo! Soul. It's Brazil and Argentina, though I think the intro gave it away. And of the non-Brazil and Argentina countries, Paraguay is the closest country. I mean, I think you get from Uruguay to Paraguay. Well, it actually does look like quite a substantial drive through Argentina, but you could get there. I'm sure there's a, a nice highway that runs the the South American Express. Yeah, South American Beltway. <laughs> yeah, just as a loop around <laughs> the continent. Uh, So there you go. Joe, unfortunately, that doesn't actually count for anything. That's not an official segment, but now you get one last chance to redeem yourself on the official scorekeeping. Joe, out of the 32 countries which have qualified for the World Cup, where does Uruguay's population lie out of 32?
2: Okay, now remember me. I guessed that Costa Rica was 29 and it was actually 28. Is that right?
0: You either guessed... I had a lot to drink that podcast. It's either that or the opposite, but yeah.
2: But that, it's in the 20s, okay.
0: It's in the high 20s, and you were right. That's the first and only correct answer you have in this segment. So
2: I think of Uruguay as also a relatively small country, but maybe slightly bigger than Costa Rica. So I am going to guess 26. Is that idiot? Damn it. Idiot.
0: Joe, I could have said it in my intro, but I intentionally didn't to throw you off the scent. Uruguay is the second smallest country in the World Cup.
2: Oh, man.
0: They're tiny. Smaller than Costa Rica. Much smaller than Costa Rica. They are the
2: Green Bay Packers of the world of footballing.
0: Absolutely. You blew it in that last podcast, Joe. They are the 31st out of 32nd. Their population, 3.4 million people. That's it. Costa Rica was in the 8 millions, less than half the size and they are the 136th overall country in the world by population. Another 0 and 2 week for you, Joe. It really do you feel? does
2: mean that there are like 17 Jews there. <laughs>
0: it's true. It's true. If we both went there to visit and were like, watch, if you pick Uruguay and we visit to root for the team, yes, it, it will be like in the newspaper. Like yes. two Jews come to town. It'll be
2: like we finally have a minion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so deep. Jewish jokes. Our Jewish fans, hopefully <laughs> they're, they're more off. than 0.3%, but they're probably not. So before we get into Uruguay now, in the numbers, Joe, what are we drinking?
2: Well, I'm not sure what we're supposed to be drinking, but we're not
0: drinking it. We're not drinking Whether it. There it is. You're drinking coffee. I'm drinking coffee with
2: bourbon in it. You're drinking... Tecate lights. Multiple Tecate lights.
0: I think we thought... By going to Mexico, which was closer to these countries, we'd have an easier chance of getting these drinks. But clearly the opposite has happened because I do believe now that America is like the liquor capital of the world.
2: Well, also, I mean, we are in a very touristy part of Mexico. So I think they're like – like the liquor stores are stocked for what American tourists want,
0: I think. I still just don't buy that. I I don't think the concept of a giant liquor store exists – in Mexico, the same way it exists in the United States. There's no,
2: like, BevMo or... No. I guess it'd be BevMas? Yeah. No. <laughs> no,
0: it doesn't There's exist. no, no. I, I I think the people of these countries don't require such a, a huge alcohol selection. Such,
2: such opulent displays yeah. of alcohol? They, yeah.
0: <laughs> they don't believe in that. It's just part of their culture, and they're fine with a smaller selection of more regional drinks. So
2: what did we totally fail at getting?
0: We were supposed to get... One or two things. We were supposed to get grappa meal, which is grappa with honey added to it. Oh, it sounds great. I, you love grappa. I do love grappa. Or. And,
2: I mean, I like honey, too, so.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like a slam dunk, although I like honey, and that mead we had to drink was terrible.
2: Oh, that mead was
0: bad. I actually didn't drink mead that episode, but I drank mead later to, like, make up for it, and I was like, this is bad. It was bad. gross. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a bad choice. And, or, we could have Clerico. Which is sangria with white wine. Uh, that actually sounds pretty good. Mm.
2: Well, to be fair to the rating, like, coffee with bourbon in it is basically my version of sangria.
0: I No, I think to be fair to the system, you have to imagine you were drinking the drink. Imagine what it would taste like and give it that score. Well,
2: I mean, I will go home. and Like, the thing that's shitty about this is I have grappa at home and I have honey at home. So I'll just do it when I get home.
0: Yeah, we blew it. Well, we'll put in a... Put in a score, you know, like Price is Right. Just estimate what the score would be, and we can go back. And we can go stuff. back, yeah. yeah.
2: But for everyone listening at home, grab some grub and some money.
0: Uruguay is such a small country. There's not nobody from Uruguay is listening to this, Joe. We have our Uruguayan fan, I'm sure. I don't think so. <laughs> they won't be offended. All right, Joe. Let's get into it. Number one: too good, too bad road to qualification, and World Cup history. Yeah, lay it on me. Let's start at the beginning, Joe. World Cup history. They hosted the 1930 World Cup, as we said. We already know they won. How did they get there? They beat Peru, one to zip, in the first game Uruguay ever played in the World Cup. They beat Romania, 4-zip. It's interesting to see the countries that were, like, big into <laughs> the World Cup back then. Footballing powerhouse Romania of the time. There were 13 teams in the World Cup. With their 2-0 in their group of three, they made it out directly into the semifinals where they played Yugoslavia, who they thrashed 6-1. In the other semifinal, Argentina thrashed the United States 6-1, leading to a battle of neighbors, rivals, Uruguay versus Argentina. Uruguay prevailed 4-2. On the strength of goals by Dorado in the 12th minute, Sia in the 57th minute, Iriarte in the 68th minute, and yes, Castro in the 89th minute, putting the cherry on top of the first ever World Cup. So, Uruguay never lost in the World Cup. They won the first one. Yeah. Let's go to the 1934 World Cup, hosted in. Italy. Uruguay refused to compete. They said they were so annoyed that only four European teams made the trek to Uruguay for the first World Cup. They said, fuck you. Oh, I we're, like it. We're not participating. I like if you like that, just wait until the 1938 World Cup, hosted in France. Uruguay said, hey, fuck you, FIFA. Two
2: World Cups in a row in Europe?
0: We thought the deal was... Half the time the World Cup would be in South America, half would be in Europe. You're doing two in a row in Europe, we're boycotting. So I didn't go to that one. So the next World Cup, of course, World War II breaks out, sort of scuttles the 1942-1946 World Cup. The next one is in 1950, back in South America, hosted in Brazil. Guess what? Uruguay wins the goddamn World Cup. Yeah, And love it. they don't lose. So they, in their group stage... This, you know, that how they have the group of death. This is like the easiest group in history. They have two teams in their group: Bolivia and France. France withdraws, presumably. <laughs> I, I have no idea for Probably what. Probably
2: added some like you
0: didn't come to ours, we're not coming to yours. Or maybe something related to World War Two. I don't know. Yeah, but anyways, you're like all of our men under thirty are dead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not that's not a laughing matter. Their group is just them and Bolivia. They beat Bolivia eight to zero. <laughs> <laughs> So after winning their group, the Group of Life, with their 8-0 win over Bolivia and their withdrawal of France, they make it directly into the final round. And so in the World Cup format in 1950, it was all four teams that made it into the final round, played a round robin, and whoever finished with the most points won the World Cup. Oh, there's
2: no final game.
0: There's no final game. So they made it into the final round with Brazil, Sweden, and Spain. They started with a draw of spain then they beat sweden three to two and in the final game which i think sort of acted as a final they were playing brazil and brazil had four points and they had three points because at the time a win was worth two and a tie was worth one and they beat brazil two to one their neighbor their rival and they won the second world cup in a row In two different formats. Yeah. They won the knockout format. They won the final round. They said, bring it, whatever. And
2: they didn't compete in the World Cups in between.
0: Absolutely. And they're undefeated again. Yeah. The only blemish on their record is a tie with Spain. So that's a good start for them. I mean, that is a Green Bay Packers-esque start. They enter two World Cups. They win two World Cups. Well, okay. It's not been terrible since then. Again, keep in mind, this is a nation of three and a half million people. But they their best finish is, if we go back, in 2014, they make it out of the group, uh, but get eliminated in the quarterfinals. 2010, in South Africa, they finish in fourth place. So that's good. That's great. 2006, Germany, don't qualify. 2002, don't get out of the group. The two World Cups before that, they don't qualify. The two before that, they lose in the qualifying. The two before that, they didn't qualify. So... You know, they have a fourth-place finish in South Africa, which, again, a team like the U.S. would kill for right, absolutely. A- anything like this. But this isn't like a Brazil or Germany that's, you know, racking up the first, second, thirds every time they enter. This is a team that, you know, clearly their better days were between 1930 and yeah,
2: 1950. Yeah, they were a dominant early footballing country. I mean, it makes you wonder about, like, how the sport was developing. Like... You know, you list – some of those teams, I mean, Romania, Yugoslavia, whatever. Like, was it that just countries that had maybe generationally adopted soccer earlier? Like, were they just, like, going to be dominant for the first couple of decades that this was all getting – like? because then you see over time, obviously Brazil, with a massively larger population, yeah. is going to become a better soccer powerhouse because they're yeah. just going to – just a sheer number of players they can develop is going to eclipse a country like Uruguay.
0: Yeah. I wonder if it mattered that Uruguay was this small country, but I think back then it was like a, a relatively prosperous country. Like it's small, but prosperous. Like this Fideo right. is like, it would be like if the United States was just like New York city Correct. and that's right. it. Yes. And yeah. so it's like, I think the average of it, the average, you know, like Brazil was this massive right. country that back then I'm sure and large amounts were like, stricken. Like, yeah, that's a
2: good point that like, as these larger countries became like developed nations, or more so, at least, like they could have the luxury of developing soccer players. Yeah, where like Uruguay, which was a uh, yeah, maybe more prosperous, they're like they're like, well, our people can play soccer because they're not starving.
0: Yeah, and again, as I said in the intro, they won the Olympic gold medal in soccer before the the World Cup was invented. Yeah. That was the so, gold medal, right? Or well, that was like, like or anything. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. won the two yeah. before that, yeah. so so they had you know at least probably thirty years of. of Dominance in the world stage. But, you know, that's in the past. Now let's look at the present. Let's fast forward to 2018. How did they qualify? Well, Commonwealth, it's kind of, you know, this is kind of cool in South America. There are only 10 teams in Commonwealth. This our first
2: Commonwealth
0: team. It's our first Commonwealth team. There are 10 teams in Commonwealth. They all enter qualification and there are four World Cup spots and one playoff spot. That's brutal. So this is like, but five. Team like five out of ten teams, yeah. you know, like Concacaf, where we like joke about right. the ease of qualification. There are like fifty teams in Concacaf for three spots. Right, but
2: the the ten teams that are entering that pool are like the tenth team is better than ninety five percent of Concacaf.
0: Absolutely. Right. I mean, look, Trinidad and Tobago is in Concacaf. show. Right. we know we know how bad they are. Anyways, they play. It's such a simple format. There are just ten teams. There's no magic. They just play a double round robin. Everybody plays a home and home with every other team. They just look who has the most points. Top four get in. Top four get in. Number five gets a playoff. Yes. So Uruguay finished second out of everybody. That's That's a nice finish. Only behind the first place team. Spoiler alert, it's Brazil. Brazil finished way above them, but Uruguay finished with a giant chasm between them and the third place team. They finished second. Nine wins, four draws, five losses. Their goal differential was plus 12, finished with 31 points. They didn't actually qualify. They had to play their last match to qualify. But even if they'd lost, as it turned out, they would have gotten in anyways. But they didn't know that going in. They didn't know that going in. And uh, anyways, they they were playing Bolivia, and they beat them 4-2 anyways. So unlike the U.S., it didn't really matter. They could have lost, but they didn't. They didn't choke. They won anyways. And one interesting tidbit about the Con Mobile qualifying was that the leading goal scorer of all of the teams was it Uruguayan striker Edinson Cavani, who scored 10 goals and in the second most of any team, including players like Messi, scored seven goals. Yeah, Cavani's great. So, I mean, he, you know, the Uruguayans obviously, I mean, this is one striker that we're seeing who puts up the goals. There's another striker I'm sure we'll get to later that is very famous. You know, this is a team that obviously... Came out of one of, if not the toughest, you know, in, in just in terms of quality of play from top to bottom group, finish second. No problem. It's sort of
2: insane. I mean, look, I mean, I know we just talked about this with Costa Rica too, how I mean, three and a half million people is so small. That's like it's smaller than Washington State where I live. Yeah. So it would be like if Washington State were this like world soccer powerhouse.
0: Yeah. It's crazy.
2: It'd be fucking weird.
0: Because I mean, with Costa Rica. I think we were we were saying, like, how do they do so well with a population this small? I mean...
2: Uruguay has a smaller population
0: and does better. It's it's not that... Their population is less than half the size, and they do... Ten times, they've won the World Cup twice. And even, throw all of that aside, throw all the... the, the they got fourth place in the World Cup eight, years ago, with Uruguay, the eight years ago. The thing that's
2: crazy is that, like, it's not just... Like, with Costa Rica, obviously they have Navas. But, like... You don't think of Costa Rica as like, oh, yeah, those sweet Costa Rican players, you know, playing all over the globe. But like, you know, I mean, you know, Edison Cavani, Suarez. I mean, we're, you know, Uruguay is a country that produces world football stars.
0: Yeah.
2: And three and a half million people.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. That's crazy. It's amazing. And now into the odds. And for the first time out of anything we've done, a team that is favored to get out of their group. So they are 75% favorites to make the round of 16 to get out of their group, depending on, well, we'll get to that in the group stage, although that could happen any time with our random shuffle. To get to the quarterfinals, they are 40%. -hmm. So this is a team that still, I mean, will likely be a favorite. Correct. To get to the semifinals, 20%, which is a great, yeah. But now to get to the finals, it's down to four percent because I think the way the betting odds see it, they're hitting a brick wall. It's like getting to the semifinals is one thing, but once you get to the semifinals, you got to get through some very good teams. You're playing a team that's going to be better than them, and so their odds of winning the World Cup are right around. Again, with the betting odds, it gets a little messy, but right around two and a half percent. And if you bet on them, you can get depending on which site you're getting. Somewhere between twenty-five to one and thirty-three to one odds on them winning the World Cup.
2: Now, before I score this category, I just want to make sure because Uruguay seems like they are an easily offended bunch. They're not boycotting, that we know of. There's no talk of a boycott.
0: They when after they qualified, they just made sure the sixth place team was like, "You sure? Because if you withdraw now, we can sort of take your spot."
2: I assume there's like an RSVP process where they're like, Congratulations, you have qualified. Please return this and let us know how many plus
0: ones you're bringing. FIFA also asked for a bribe, which helps figure out what group you get into. <laughs>
2: Do you want the chicken or fish when you get
0: <laughs> yeah. Uruguay sent it back with a pallet full of their best meat. Their best meat, yeah. And right. canola oil. <laughs> and well, we'll see when they get yeah, to mean, a group. The, I mean, they got they got they got a fucking tasty yeah. group. As tasty as the meat they export. But um they're in, Joe. There's, there's no... Maybe some of those sweet, sweet silver trinkets. <laughs> Throw some of those in there, too. You take the FIFA people on a nice sightseeing boat ride on the Down Rio de, de la Plata.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Uruguay's really in a nice spot of both having historical quality and also being a team that is like, sure, not, not in the top five favorite teams to win the World Cup, But like right there, right on the cusp, and a team that would be exciting to watch and that you feel like unless they blow it, which teams blow it all the time, you're gonna get a little bit of a run. Yeah. You're gonna get some games. They're hopefully gonna get out of the group. They're gonna be making some noise in the you know round of sixteen. Right.
0: So I mean the betting odds of them to get to the semifinals is five to one. Right. Like Right, right. I don't
2: so I don't think that they're too bad. And especially because the history is there too. Are they too good? Is it bandwagony to be rooting for Uruguay? I don't think so. I don't think so because they're not in that top, top, top tier. Maybe maybe our, our Uruguayan listener would disagree, but I don't think that they are. So I think this is pretty good for them. I think it's like an 8 and a 10. Wow. Wow. I oh, was just to say also, second second in, in qualification. I mean that means that they're beating Argentina. I mean that's great. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. huge. Which they did. They finished ahead of Argentina. Joe, so as you were going there – I thought you were gonna come up a little higher because you're putting this below Costa Rica. So Costa Rica you gave an eight and a half.
2: But Costa Rica got the boost because I like I like rooting for a CONCACAF team. Okay. I feel yeah. like Costa Rica and Uruguay are very similar to this country, but but like Costa Rica got like a solid point and a half boost. Just based on the Concacaf
0: factor. Well, just to get your general sense as we're going to be going forward, do you feel Uruguay is hitting your sweet spot? Because I mean, we're not at the ten out of oh, ten. No. 10. I, so, no, do yes. you think they need to be a little worse to get to a ten out of ten, or a little better?
2: You know i I think that they I think that they probably need to be a tiny, tiny bit better. Okay. A tiny bit better because Uruguay does have the factor, and, and I think we should talk about this with player to watch because there are some very volatile players on Uruguay. And they, like, I could just as easily see Uruguay making a cup run as I could see them flaming out because of personalities and, like, not even making out of the group. Yeah. I don't think either of those two extremes are going to happen, but there's, there's, there's a slight volatility there. That, that prevents me from giving it a 10.
0: Maybe that big betting drop-off is there like, by the time they get to the semi like have <laughs> somebody's going to be disqualified with yeah. w- with yellow cards yeah. or with... Protect- Someone's getting bit. Someone's getting bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's in the books. 8 out of 10, Joe. And now, with our new format, we've gotten rid of the UNO cards because your baby bent them all and it was no longer, you could just tell what they are we switch switched to regular cards. We're going two through 12 with an ace, and that's a wild card, Joe. Pick what category we're doing next. If it's a goddamn two. <laughs> Nine. Nine. I don't know what that is. Let's just jump right ahead, Joe. This is always an exciting category, and it ties so much with our intro. Just to learn a little more about this country, Joe. System of government, head of state. Love it. Amazing. Thanks to super fan and fan and Bez and Ryan, respectively, for the system of government and head of state, Uruguay has traditionally been more affluent than other countries in South America and is known for its advanced education and social security systems and liberal social laws. It was the first nation in Latin America to establish a welfare state, maintained through relatively high taxes on industry, and developed a democratic tradition that earned it the sobriquet, the Switzerland of South America. But economic and political turmoil, in particular left-wing urban guerrilla attacks in the early 1970s, led the government of the day to suspend the Constitution and launch a period of repressive military rule that lasted until 1985. Since the restoration of a democratic government, successive governments have liberalized the economy. Colonial towns, beach resorts, and year-round mild climate have contributed to a growing tourist industry. Uruguay is a presidential republic where the president is both the head of government and the head of state and works with two elected chambers called the General Assembly. The Colorado and national parties have battled for power over the last few decades with a left-wing coalition winning power in 2009 and the presidency in 2014. Given the turmoil in South America with drug cartels and political corruption, it is a real breath of fresh air to see a full and true democracy thriving and that their politics isn't as dirty as their football team. Oh, no. Bez. Bez, stay in your lane, Bez. <laughs> we've already talked about that, Bez. Don't worry. And we're going to talk about it more. Now, do you want to comment on that, or do you want me to get into the head well, of state? I just want to
2: compliment Bez on the breaking out the sober K. Yeah. <laughs> Love
0: it. Yeah. We totally knew what that meant, how to pronounce <laughs> we that. You did not have to edit around that, <laughs> that was, No. Not a problem at all. Head of state, Tabare Vasquez. He served as president from 2005 to 2010 and then again 2015 to present why you might like him he's an oncologist and saw patients one day a week during his first term that's pretty dope i like that i don't know what an oncologist is that's cancer doctor oh oh good for him Good. I mean, I guess if he was any. Was there a kind that,
2: of doctor that you were gonna be like, fuck that? I don't, I don't care if he's an optometrist; he's wasting his time helping people see see stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, come on, optometry is one thing. Like cancer, that's legit. Okay, I think being an optometrist is the best type of doctor to be. No, no, think about it.
2: Okay, this is a, a side. No, here.
0: no, I could go to a doctor to that little thing and figure out my prescription on my own. I don't need a doctor to help me with that.
2: Are you kidding me? Okay, being an optometrist would be the best type of doctor to be is what I'm saying. No, why? What? Because all you do is help people get their glasses. And also, okay, think about it. Well, you're saying it's easy. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying, like, you, you, you don't deal with blood. You never risk having to touch someone's anus. <laughs> you, like, are mostly helping people. Sure, sometimes you see patients who are going blind. And, like, that's probably sad. You have to, like, tell them that. But, like, they know they're going blind. They can't see anything. Like, you're not, it's not a surprise. They're coming to you for help. Yeah, totally.
0: And they're saying, there to my vision's them. going away, and you have to go to them and say, I'm just saying, you're never going to see again. You're not in,
2: in, in life or death circumstances. It's, like, the most chill type
0: of doctor to be. What if they have, like, something sticking in their eye?
2: I, I don't think people go to the optometrist with something sticking out of their eye.
0: Where do they go to?
2: They go to the ER, and then later they're like... Now that we've removed the thing from your eye, go to the optometrist so they can help like get you the right
0: glasses so you can see. You don't think there's blood? When somebody has pink eye, their eyes are like they really send red. They will that day.
2: They say, okay, wear this eye patch, heal a little bit, then go to the optometrist.
0: All right. I think you're just optimizing for your own preference. I'm saying this guy's curing people with cancer. That's on the doctor scale. That's obviously way above an optometrist. The fact that you don't want to do it is good for that on the doctor scale. Yeah, yeah. You just want to make a nice salary, work steady hours, be able to take vacations whenever you want.
2: I also like that you can like, you know, you sort of, there's a bit of like helping people accessorize with their glasses too. Like you get to be a doctor, but then you're also like, oh, I think this frame will look nice on you. What optometrist are you going to? They don't do that. Well, yeah, they totally do.
0: Okay. Your optometrist, I think, is running a front that's just to sell you like high priced glasses. I completely my yeah. vision is perfect. <laughs> All right. I wish I had my sound clip for. This is not a productive line of discussion, but I don't. Head of state. What was I at? Oh, he's an oncologist. Yeah. He left his first term with an eighty percent approval rating. Wow, that's pretty high. Higher, a little, little higher than Trump.
2: Well, I mean, his first
0: term's not over yet. I mean, No, his time. first his first term was two thousand five. Oh yeah. Like, you don't know.
2: He <laughs> could turn. You might around. turn things around.
0: Might turn it around. Too bad he couldn't, like, ride a wave of the U.S. in the World Cup where people are super excited.
1: I know. That was it.
0: That was his big chance. Avid soccer fan. Wait. Oh, my God. Trump totally would have visited Russia to root for the U.S. in the World Cup. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely. He would have put on the kit. He would have made a stupid version of his hat that would just said, like, USMT or something. <laughs> I mean, the, the
2: urinating prostitute business... Suffer because the U.S. did not make it the World Cup.
0: <laughs> they, had it, they had it all prepared. where There was like the box where he would like, they'd show the TV camera and he'd yeah. give the thumbs up. And then there was a back room where the bed was set up. They were ready. Yeah. They were ready. Putin's got the cameras yeah. already rolling. And Trump's like, it's fine. You, I know you already have the other tape. <laughs> Tabari Vasquez turned the economy around from high inflation rate and falling exports. What you might not like about him evaded an arms embargo on Iran and loaded Iranian arms into a Uruguayan navy vessel in Venezuela. Ooh, that's like a Star Wars level caper there.
2: <laughs> though, though I think the Iran Contra scandal was exactly about the U.S. doing that exact thing too. Yeah. So and it was much worse. Yeah.
0: All right. There you go. That's the head of state. That's a system of government, Joe.
2: I like it. I think that's all good stuff. I mean, it's interesting. The the lapse into military dictatorship coincided with their dip in soccer playing ability.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: It makes me wonder if we can sort of work on a through-line theory with this, that like the freer the democracy, the better the soccer is.
0: Because I'll tell you, Joe, I I mean, this is, it's hitting on all cylinders. In 78 and 82, they didn't qualify. 85, they come out. And exactly. they, yeah, they qualify. Free democracy. Boom.
2: And then apply that to the USA. Trump wins. What happens?
0: Yeah, we don't qualify. Yeah. I'm just saying. Let's if just, Hillary won, we would have won the goddamn World Cup. What happened?
2: <laughs> Look, <laughs> here's, here's what I think. I don't know if that theory is true, but let's just put a pin in that theory and see if it holds true as we go forward.
0: Oh, I like it.
2: Okay. I think Uruguay sounds great. I'd love to visit there. System of government sounds good. I do like this doctor thing. If you were an optometrist, you would be giving a little more points. But I don't really know, Dan, like where do you mark them down on this category? What don't we like about them?
0: I mean, I guess for the giving Iranian arms or something. Yeah. Okay, let's dock him a point for that. But like what else do we dock them on, right? I mean, again, I think we found, much like Costa Rica, I think this is one of those regions where it's like you want to do the opposite of Docum. It's like they—it's like they grew up in a tough area, yeah. tough kids. All their, yeah. you know, tough neighborhood. people trying to bully all them. All the
2: neighbors are doing bad shit. Yeah, they're
0: like, no. no, we don't want join our content. gang. And they're like, yeah. no, yeah, yeah. I—I I think you—you you can even give them a up the bonus five back.
2: Narcos set in Uruguay.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, maybe they're not a ten out of ten. I, it depends. It depends. Whatever you feel about it, but it, it also seems that I think the Costa Rican head of state got dinged a little. Because if memory serves me correctly, his approval rating, though he got yeah. elected with a very high yeah. number, his approval rating was terrible. So you know there's something up there. Like, this guy's approval rating still seems pretty high. So, you know, although honestly, Joe, when it said he left with 77 approval rating, maybe that's because they made fourth place in the World Cup in the same year, which was the last year of his term, and he just because if he's an avid soccer fan... He's out there, he's in, maybe he goes to South Africa, he's cheering on the team and everybody Absolutely. forgets about all this shit. Yeah. I think this, this is going to be a good
2: score. You know, I feel like you know, we're getting into a little bit, I don't want to make this like an inflated grade category, but we've just been sort of lucky.
0: Well, the grades grade. right now are four and a half, six and five and a half. Oh, okay,
2: that's pretty good. Okay, let's,
0: let's call this, but I do think that there
2: needs to be a positive curve when you're in a tougher region too. Let's say 8.5 out of 10.
0: 8.5, wow. I mean, I honestly have no idea why you gave Sweden only a 6. And Australia. Whatever it was, it was deserved. Yeah, yeah. who knows? All right, no, John. no,
2: I remember why. It's because they've had like the same party in power
0: for like 200 years. So you would have liked it if there was like a military dictatorship for like 20 years and then they got out no, of that.
2: No, no, no. What I'm saying is I like in Uruguay that you basically have multiple parties that are like vying for power. It shows that it is a very... True to because,
0: yeah, that's really working out well in the US, Joe. Well,
2: whatever. I'm not saying the two party system is good, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I think political opinions actually do shift. And if your elections aren't reflecting it, there's something fucked up about your elections.
0: Yeah. Well, look, as we said, this guy's a third party candidate who disrupted the decades of two party rule, which I, yeah, I would love a third party to grow in America, provided it's not led by Donald Trump. Or a Trump-like person there's, who isn't a complete There's
2: a lot idiot. of people I can think of who I wouldn't want it to be led by, but it'd be great if it was led by someone.
0: All right. Okay. Joe? Eight and a half out of ten. Let's move on. Pick, okay. pick one out. Are you hoping for that wild card? Let's see. It's eight. Oh. We're going backwards. Superfan Carsten. Oh, my, my favorite category. Coming in with the biggest celebrities. Now, he says he loves... To start out with the honorable mentions get into the bronze silver and gold with a population of 3.44 million uruguay it was tough for him no honorable mentions joe that's okay understandable straight into the bronze and you know you'll you'll see if these are, are fitting what you want in the category But up carson knows what you want and he's trying his best and joe this is the second smallest country
2: yeah I feel like you're hedging too much. Are these terrible people? Like, what's going on here? Let's
0: no, go. no. Okay. The bronze medalist is Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> the bronze medalist is Diego Forwan, a soccer player. Yep. Forlan is a retired soccer player from Uruguay. He played on the national team from 2002 to 2014, appearing in three World Cups. In 2010, he was the leading scorer winning the Golden Ball. Wow. Uruguay had a surprising fourth place finish that year. Forwan played for Manchester United from 2002 to 2004 and was even popular enough to have the following chance in his honor. He came from Uruguay. He made the Scousers cry. What does that mean? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> the chance celebrates two goals he scored against Liverpool. Forwan has scored a respectable, respectable, this is, it seems more than respectable. <laughs> 217 club goals and 36 international goals. Despite not having a great deal of recognition in the U.S., he is very popular in Uruguay. Get this, Joe. In a country of 3.4 million people, he has 5.4 million Twitter followers.
2: So he has more followers than his entire
0: country. So every single person in Uruguay follows him in addition to 2 million Russian bots. (laughs)
2: <laughs> do you think that when someone's born in uruguay they're like okay what's the name what's the twitter handle okay we're gonna start you with it the- maybe it's like um friendster where you started off with that one dude is your friend whatever that guy's name was <laughs> yeah the guy
0: who founded friendster yeah yeah
2: and everyone was friends with like brian from friendster he just
0: invented friendster to troll for girls yeah is that true yeah did it work uh, probably
2: maybe when you sign up for a twitter account in Uruguay, just in like yeah, one just, person added, it.
0: Well, you were following Diego for long. Definitely. I mean, there are like clearly five people that are definitely on every list yeah. of Uruguay. But yeah, so that's, that's your bronze medalist. Your silver medalist, Natalia Orrero, a singer, actress, and model. Orrero, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I apologize to all of our Uruguayan fans who are screaming at their iPhone right now. I don't even, well, they definitely have iPhones in Uruguay. Very prosperous yeah. country. Orrero, Orrero narrowly passes for one in Google trend data. She also is noted for being popular in Russia and Israel for her acting works. Hmm. She started acting in telenovelas. She appeared in the film Cleopatra, which apparently wasn't about Cleopatra at all. Esquire put her on the sexiest woman alive Atlas list, which I presume is an international list. Herrero recorded Uruguay's official World Cup song for their 2002 appearance and to t- total it up she has 13 movie appearances including in 2017's The Unseen. She is not on Twitter though. Okay. But if she were on Twitter, well we know she'd have at least 3.44 yeah, million. Absolutely. Although I forgot the the people under 13 aren't allowed on Twitter, so or maybe in the in the If you're outside of the U.S., that's fine. Yeah, maybe
2: that's just a U.S. rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: All right. And the gold medalist, Joe, a name which has already been mentioned on this podcast, the most famous bite in the world, Luis Suarez, the gold medalist, the soccer player. With 262 club goals and 49 international goals, Suarez runs away with a top celebrity status for Uruguay. Suarez played for Liverpool from 2010 to 2014 and currently plays for Barcelona. His contract with Barcelona was estimated to be about £64.98 million. Can you explain to me why a Uruguayan player who plays in Spain, their salary is given in pounds, Joe? (laughs) Ding Karsten for that. That's lazy. That makes no sense. That's lazy. In an otherwise great section, Karsten... You've got to keep it consistent. Yeah.
2: Simple conversion, Carson. Yeah,
0: come on. I don't know what the currency is in Uruguay, but whatever it is. Probably not the British pound. Yeah. It's, <laughs> they, I mean,
2: they have been occupied by...
0: I think Britain actually only occupied it for like three months. But they brought the pound. <laughs> People love the British like, culture. This system just works. <laughs> it just makes so much sense. Suarez played in the 2010 and 2014 World Cup for Uruguay. While he's a hero in Uruguay, he gained international notoriety for a biting incident in the 2014 World Cup. This was his third biting incident. Nine days after he chomped Italy's Giorgio Cellini on the ear, he signed his massive contract. This proves you can get away with shenanigans if you are talented. Is Suarez the Akib Tlaib of the new season of the Joe Picks podcast? With Suarez as the country's biggest star, he will definitely be in the headlines, even if it's bad press. Joe, Luis Suarez has 12.6 million Twitter followers, enough to overfill Uruguay, I guess, four times? Wow.
2: And I think, hold on, let me check. Let me check. Dan, this is going to be exciting.
0: The excitement is palpable, Joe.
2: Dan... This is the first celebrity that we've talked about that I follow on Twitter. Joe! I'm one of the 12 point
0: whatever. 12.6 might. Well, this is when Carson wrote it, Joe. You you can see the up-to-date tally right on your feed. Yeah, that's it. What does Luis Suarez tweet about? What are you so interested in from him?
2: He tweets about soccer and stuff.
0: Does he ever tweet about food?
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, in that maybe he sometimes tweets about his opponents. Yes, I guess. Yeah. Um... Look, Carson is breaking our rule of not listing current club players or current team players as the celebrities for the country. But I think in the case of Costa Rica and Uruguay, I'll sort of allow it because you got to reach in these very small countries. Like obviously the soccer stars are going to be the biggest stars in the country.
0: And again, when we were doing Costa Rica, the like – soccer lovingness of the nation by size was, like, off the charts. And Uruguay is, like, in the stratosphere.
2: So, look, here's my hot take about Suarez. I like the biting. (sighs) Okay, I don't like the biting. But here's what I'll say about it, Dan. Hear me out. And this is a serious point. People freak out about the biting. And I don't really get it. Yes, it's weird. And it's weird that, like, he keeps biting people in that, like, it almost is pathological like it's a weird thing to do and you know for a certainty that before his career is over he will do it again yeah he just likes to it's part of of his game and it's a weird thing to have a part of game. however if you think about like people freaked out when it happened and he got suspended for like 12 games or something it was a long suspension I would much rather if I was a fan of the opposing team not not of Uruguay but whoever they're playing I'd much rather my favorite player get bit than get, like, tackled or, like, get hit in the knees or get stepped on on his ankle. Like, like, like no one's football career is ending because they got bit on the shoulder. It's not convenient. You might have to get, like – you might have to, like, clean the wound or whatever. But, like, it's not it's not career or even game-altering. Like, th- th- no one's even leaving a game for getting bit.
0: yeah. It is kind of interesting because in like American football, players, you know, they it's not like they like zoom in on on TV, but you'll see like a quarterback on the sidelines, and know of like cuts all over his arm and shit from yeah. getting tackled, and bloods everywhere, and they're not, they're not really, it's it's not like a big deal that like blood is is going everywhere.
2: So why why to so many fans was biting seen as like worse than. Anything else that happens on a football pitch.
0: Yeah, I mean, the biting is just so far out of the context of the sport. Like, even if you're doing a bad tackle, even if it's horrible, you could be like, uh, I was trying to do a good tackle and something bad happened.
2: But there are times when players, like, headbutt each other or, like, yeah. intentionally. And, and not that. And they're, like, they're penalized. Those things get red cards. Yeah. But they don't get huge suspension. And people acted, I mean, like, there were people saying that Suarez should be, like, banned from for, from future World Cups. I mean, like, obviously, people are are reactionary. But. All I'm saying is that like biting's part of his game; he's good at it, and it's it, it doesn't strike me as being any worse than other offenses that you could do on a soccer field, and and in fact, it's actually like not so bad relative to other things. And people
0: freak yeah, out. There is something about bodily it's, fluids that like people yeah, just don't like.
2: No, and I think in a way biting is like a little bit like animalistic.
0: Yeah. It's probably like people don't like it. Yeah. It shows just such a complete lack of control. (laughs) You're you're biting somebody. I
2: I actually don't agree, though. I mean, if you watch the replay of the bite, he's a very – it's a strategic bite. (laughs) Like, he doesn't –
0: And you like that more. Absolutely. He's biting to –
2: No, yes. When he bites, it's not like he's, like, angry and can't – and he's like, ah. Like, it's like, we're going for this header – I it's, there's a corner kick. I want to get it. I'm just gonna chomp this guy on the shoulder because then he's gonna react to that, and then I can head it in. Yeah, I, it's not super. It's not a smart move because there's like literally 80 cameras on him yeah. at any given moment. Yeah. So like it's it's hard. I don't know how. Maybe he does it successfully all the time. Maybe he's that good. Because that's how the thing you, I always how wonder. Do you bite.
0: Like when we watch the sport, we're just spectators. So we yeah. watch at home. I wonder if you are playing – because, like, I remember when I used to play soccer growing up, I, when I was in the middle of the game, I never, like, thought about, "Uh, oh, my parents are in the silence or like, You just get so focused on the game. Totally. You, like, lose perspective of that. And I wonder even if at the top level the guys, like – it sort of, like, bores out to them that there's oh, all these so. crowds and cameras. Yeah, I think that's actually the only playing. explanation
2: for some of the things you see where, like, like – like, I mean, I remember um, in a Tottenham game – we talked about this on our last podcast season – in that first Tottenham game, a Newcastle player just blatantly steps on Harry Kane. It's like, the ref is like two feet from him. Like it's, he got red card and it, it it impacted the whole game which Newcastle lost and was like kind of dealing with the Spurs well up until that point. And then like the game went off the rails for them. Yeah. But the ref is standing. He's standing as close to the guy as I'm sitting to you right now. And he looks at him like Are you an idiot? And he just throws him out. Obviously. He's going to get a red card. Yeah. It, it was instantaneous. I have never seen such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think you're right. The only... He's an idiot. <laughs> yeah,
0: idiot. All that is true. This, those both sound clips are <laughs> both taken from some guy who like did something so stupid in front of the raft. It may have been that Newcastle movie. Yeah, it might have been. Um, but
2: I think your explanation is the only right one that like you... It, it's just you're in the heat of it. You just... You're doing whatever. Look... Suarez, I don't condone the biting, but I do not condemn the biting either.
0: <laughs> How's I going to write for the celebrities, Joe?
2: <laughs> so this rating, I don't know how to write that. No, look, I mean, let's be honest. They're too small to have great celebrities that I'm going to root for.
0: Uh, You're not a big Natalia Arario fan? You don't watch the Uruguayan not telenovelas? No, not yet.
2: But, but when – Maybe, maybe, maybe some point in the future, but, uh, let's give this two out of 10.
0: Ouch. Too small. You gave Costa Rica two out of 10 too, Joe. You've got a real population bias.
2: Look, you gotta be big to, to produce these celebrities.
0: All right, Joe, we're an hour into this podcast. We've done three categories. Let's keep it going. (laughs) The next one is a speed round. Okay. Number five. History with the U.S. Men's National Team. Joe, this is perfect. I don't even have any research on this. Five out of (laughs) ten. Okay. I'm just throwing it in there. We did it, Dan. Next category. That's a perversion of this podcast. But look, Sean was supposed to do it. He didn't do the research. Sean. I think five out of ten is too generous. Three out of (laughs) ten. No, it's in the books. Five out of ten. Five out of ten. Did right. Sean give an explanation
2: for this lack of reason? No,
0: Sean's just didn't do anything. Sean, well, let's just think about... No. ban Ameritai, No. Okay. Actually,
2: to be serious, let's go back.
0: Though you jokingly just gave it that bad score, the U.S. has only played Uruguay five times in its history. 2-2-1 two, two and one, uh, in the, the Copa America Cup in 1993 is the only match, I think, of any significance and, you know, a, a string of international friendlies, the last of which was played in 2002. These are, the U.S. just doesn't play Uruguay, has never met them in the World Cup. There's no history yeah. here.
2: I think in this category, we want some history to talk about. And we also don't want it to be hugely, like, negative history. But I think this is, like, three out of ten.
0: Yeah. Good speed round, Joe. Next. Yep. Speed round. Two. Oh, rate the group. Oh, it's been
2: weird to go this long and not talk about the group. I, I don't even know.
0: Okay. Uruguay is in Group A. New group. Uruguay, Russia, Egypt, Saudi Arabia.
2: So we know Russia's winning the group.
0: So, yeah. so it's all about second place. So here are the betting odds. Uruguay, 44% chance to win, 75% chance to advance. Russia, 40% chance to win, 75% chance to advance. How much do you think... The
2: inevitability of corruption is baked into the betting odds
0: right now. I think high, as we'll get to in a second when I go to these the FIFA rankings for these teams. Egypt, 12% chance to win, 37% chance to advance. Saudi Arabia, 4% chance to win, 13% chance to advance. So they are really quite the underdogs. The New York Times profile. The opening game of the World Cup will be Russia against Saudi Arabia, or to put it another way, the two worst teams in the tournament, according to the FIFA rankings. However, the group is nicely balanced though. Uruguay will expect to make the last 16, but both Russia and Egypt will have hopes of joining them. So just looking at the overall strength of the group based on the FIFA world rankings, Uruguay is number 21 in the FIFA world rankings. and They were one of the weaker teams in pot two. Yeah, Russia automatically goes into pot one being the host. They're, Number 64 in the FIFA rankings. So if the you're worst in team, POT
2: 2, you would love to be in that POT... I mean, it was the same thing with this the South, is the Africa. Luckiest, like South Africa hosted. This right? is like, the luckiest
0: like, draw possible for Uruguay. Yes. If you're in POT 2, you want to be in the host if the host happens to be Russia, right. who stings. Other, not corruption aside. And then to add to the weakness of this group, they get Saudi Arabia, who's the second worst team, 63rd in the World Cup rankings, and they get Egypt... Who's number thirty one, but I think also a fairly weak pot three team. So the real winner in this group was Russia, because you know, Russia could have easily been in a group with you know, like the group of death we're talking about that has two good teams out of pot two and pot three to compete with them. Russia gets this cupcake group, but the real winner is Uruguay, who gets this like who actually is good at soccer and gets right. this absolute cupcake group.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think And obviously we'll talk about this when we talk about Egypt. Like, I don't think you should sleep on Egypt because I think that they did pretty well in the Africa qualifications. But I think this is a this is a great draw for Uruguay. I like the fact that, you know, it probably will be getting there'll be bigger games, louder games, more intense games, because they're in the same group as Russia. So like that that will be a fun game, Russia Uruguay. Yeah. The corruption is, I think, a serious which once again, we'll talk about that more with the Russia episode. But it's a serious factor. It really is. And, like, obviously with a team this bad, getting that much of a chance in the betting markets shows that, like, it's, like, considered not just, like, an outlandish thing. It's highly plausible there will be some corruption.
0: I mean, Russia was banned from that 2018 Olympics because they created this doping program. And if you watch this movie Icarus on Netflix, it's so interesting where basically the Russians could have doped all their athletes and then like weaned them off the doping for the world or for the Olympics and they, they it essentially would have been undetectable with the doping agents yeah. but Putin was like no I want Russia to do really well this was in the Olympics in Russia in the Sochi ones he was like
2: no don't wean them off
0: he's like don't wean them off and let's just come up with the most convoluted complicated scheme in history to like switch the samples so all of the dirty athletes will just be dirty be doping. And they'll just, the tests will come up clean. And they had this like unbelievable thing where in the middle of the night, they're like moving vials, they're like breaking into these like lab rooms that are like controlled by supposedly the like, you know, Olympic committee that's that's safe. And so that's why they got banned from the 2018 Olympics. This is a country that's just like, and you know, and of course, Putin's so smart. When they announce it, they get, like, a young, like, Russian figure skater who's really good, and she's like, I don't know anything about this doping, I'm so sad I won't be able to qualify, which is of course, true. Like, maybe, she probably isn't doping, because I don't think figure skating is something where swearing. doping, help you. That guy is smartly, And you get that in front, and he's just like, he gets up there and he's like, oh, it's so sad for our athletes who won't be able to commit this. IOC is outrageous, they're wrong, and it's like, he, in in the behind the scenes, there. are orchestrating this unbelievable thing. Like, people, you know, when the, the doping people are caught, it's not like they get busted. They get killed. Like, right, it's, it's crazy. It's just fucked up. All right, save it for Russia. But that's our next episode. Oh,
2: my God. Right, I know. Uruguay It's a good group for them. Let's be honest. Not the most exciting group, but a good group for if them.
0: If you're, you're looking at your, your thing of, are they playing the world's best? They're not. No. But it, for are them, there, there's literally right. no better group they could possibly have gotten for a pot two team.
2: Let me ask you this. Who's in B? Because that's who they're going to be matched up with in the round of 16.
0: So, group B is Spain, Portugal, Morocco, and Iran. And I don't have the betting outs in front of me, but I'd assume it's going to be Spain or Portugal. Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. I assume they're probably heavy favorites there, but I I know nothing about Morocco. Morocco, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, Yeah, look, I think it's great they're gonna get through. I would love a more exciting group be, it you know, you know, it would be fun if if you could trade out Egypt for like another pretty good team would be
0: interesting. Uh, but let's say let's give this a six out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. All right, good score, Joe. Next one speed round. Four. Top player to watch. So the good news for this one is we've already talked about we've already talked about Kavani. We've already talked about Suarez. Let's talk about a third player. We know David loves getting the young and up-and-coming players. Yeah, in Joe,
2: who am I watching? Who's the youngster?
0: It doesn't get any younger or more up-and-coming than this. The player to watch is Federico Valverde. He plays for Deportivo La Coruña on loan from Real Madrid. That's pretty good. He's 19 years old, Joe. He's a midfielder. He's only played three matches for the national team, but already has a goal. He was awarded the silver ball at the 2017 FIFA U-20 World Cup. Solid passing, great eye. He had a racial controversy during the U-20 World Cup in South Korea, where after scoring on a penalty kick, he pulled his eyes back into slits. (sighs) Not Not a good move. He has since apologized for it. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) A big role in this World Cup would be a surprise, says David. However, Valverde is clearly one of the top players to watch for the future. Fits well with the physical style of play that Uruguay is known for. In FIFA 18, your favorite game, his current score is 73, but his potential is 86. Ooh, that's nice. That's high. That's nice. So uh, David puts him at a 2. But you've watched the YouTube video, you've seen his highlight reel. What do you think, Joe?
2: I'm still not exactly clear, clear what David's rating is at. Two out of two out of what? Two out of five?
0: Or a, a, okay. I don't know. Could be two out of hundred if it's okay. the FIFA scale. Could be his own scale, which is out of four, or it could also could be, be out, out of two. He gives,
2: <laughs> he gives players a, a one or a two.
0: No, no, but I think he's given higher than that. But that's because they're off the charts. yeah. yeah. Just um, like Uruguay's soccer density.
2: I think the thing that's amazing about Uruguay, I mean, like we were saying earlier, is that it's not like Costa Rica, where there's, where where they're sort of getting through off grit and luck and
0: you know, spunkiness.
2: Like Uruguay, they have great players. Where and are they finding
0: these guys? I don't know. I don't know. Well, and maybe it was in the Costa Rica episode. Remember, they were like this guy who plays for the team. They like found him on the street juggling. Maybe I mean, in Uruguay they have a better system.
2: I have to imagine that basically every, like male is just put into a soccer academy just to see how they like, there's no way to produce this many good footballers. It's just not possible. Yeah. So it makes me think that like, look, we talked about Suarez already, you know, Cavani's great, but he's getting old, but he's still, he's going to do well this world cup. Suarez, all the, on the field drama, all the, all the potentiality for, for, for violence. Like he is just a great electrifying player. And the unpredictability is something fun to watch. Yeah. And I think, you know, this Federico...
0: Federico Valverde.
2: And Valverde, I think, fits right into that. I mean, he is a, like, exciting, dynamic player. I mean, watching this YouTube clip, he's he's fast, he's smarmy, like, he... He loves smarms. I love, I love smarmsters. <laughs> uh, look, this team has players, for sure. I think this is a solid... Six and a half out of ten.
0: Also, six and a half out of ten, Joe. That's the highest you've ever given for player to watch. Although, of course, this is by far the best team we've we've done thus far. So that makes sense, Joe. Next, all right, Jack. That's eleven. National anthem. I'm ready for this. Okay, Joe. Yeah, let's hear it. This podcast. It's already super long, and boy, it's about to get a lot longer.
2: Is it like a 45-minute national anthem?
0: <laughs> it's a three-hour national anthem. They actually, <laughs> it's part of their strategy. It tires the other team out because they know what to <laughs> wait for. I mean, you were joking about it before. This national anthem is entitled, on all research from fan emeritus Tony, Ph.D., Orientales La Patria Ola Tumba." orientals the fatherland or the grave music themes taken from I the pro-
2: what does that mean <laughs> i don't know is that like a choice a
0: choice <laughs> i think i would not pick the grave <laughs> it will be interesting to see where this is going
1: yeah.
0: i don't know i don't know music themes taken from the prologue of an opera performed in 1948 the anthem's lyrics are by Francisco Acuña de Figueroa, who is also the author of the lyrics to Paraguay's national anthem. Wow. Oh, well, this guy,
2: he just goes around
0: <laughs> the world. Put that guy in jail and tell him you want an anthem, you're going to yeah. get one. Like, this guy, he does it for Uruguay. He you do need to put him in jail. Put him in hand. He gets on the old South American Beltway, Yeah. <laughs> goes, goes up goes, 200 goes two miles. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. The focus and lyrics, definitely revolution, sacrifice. It's an opera, after all. This seems like it would be a crazy fun song to sing. There's a lot of repetition, and basically they're yelling, It's the vows that our souls pronounce that we will heroically fulfill, and tyrants tremble, tyrants tremble, tyrants tremble. Fun facts. Greece holds the informal time record because the poem their anthem is based on is super long, but Uruguay, officially, has the longest national anthem in terms of duration, with 105 bars of music, i.e. six minutes. Uruguay is what inspired Alex Marshall to write a whole book about anthems, quote, The anthem that almost kickstarted my interest was Uruguay's. It was the first South American anthem I'd listened to. It's this rollicking four- or five-minute-long anthem with all these different instrumental sections like a mini-opera. I just found it so exciting the first time I heard it. It was like, finally, a proper piece of music. I don't think I could set the stage anymore. For Joe and all of our listeners, if we are anything like Alex Marshall, we are all about to go on... Our anthem of appreciation might be changed forever. ...a five-minute journey of discovery. <laughs> Let's do it, Joe. Okay. at all that paraguay was like get i want one of those that guy.
2: <laughs> hire that guy put him in jail <laughs> tell him what is an anthem
0: wow no this is the anthem only a free man could produce absolutely this is like in shawshank redemption where the guy plays the like opera and it like frees everybody's soul i understand why the uruguayans produce these soccer prodigies yeah how could you not feel inspired this is amazing
2: i like And and not enough countries, well, I mean none of you talked about certainly, and not enough countries do this, where like they just they like it's not anthem; It's an opera. I mean it really is. It's a it it, it sounds like an aria from an opera. Yeah. It's just a good piece of music. That then they're like, Yeah, this let's this these lyrics fit our our Like I wonder
0: what they do in the World Cup.
2: It would be like if America was like, from now on, our anthem is bye bye, Miss American Pie. We don't care that it's six minutes.
0: We don't care if the lyrics are weird. It's a good song. That would be awesome. You know, because they do so much crap before the games anyways. Why not give them five minutes to like go nuts with this? Absolutely. I mean, if
2: if I I get why this is like, you know, inspiring people to write books about national anthems. Like this is great. And the lyrics are cool. The, the back and forth of the music is super interesting, yet different, like, voices, male, female. Maybe would dock it a bit for, like, singability. You're not singing this in the shower, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe Uruguayans do. I don't know. Maybe you hear it enough, you can do it.
0: I think there are sections I could sing. Yeah. I couldn't sing that section with that beautiful woman in the middle. Yeah. She was hitting mean, on all cylinders. You could try and sing it.
2: Yeah. It would, it would be good. good.
0: <laughs> it would be good. Uh,
2: look, I think, I think this is 100% our best anthem yet. I think the Costa Rica story was maybe a little bit more interesting. Man, this anthem is great. I think it's a
0: 9 out of 10. Wow, 9 out of 10. It's a great anthem.
2: Much like the Star Wars movie we just saw. It was a little bit longer than it needed to be, but I was never bored.
0: Yeah, that's, I, when I saw it, I downloaded it. I, this was my first time listening as well. And I saw, oh my God, it's four and a half minutes. This is crazy. You know, the music was changing enough. It was interesting. Yeah. I loved it. I, I, I'll listen to it again. When I'm, Absolutely. when I'm editing the podcast, I'm going to listen to that at 1x speed to really enjoy I'm it. I'm adding
2: it to my Spotify playlist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if, the, if you pick this team, it could be like one of your most listened to tracks, Joe. You know what?
2: For our fans, I'm going to start a public playlist called Joe Picks a World Cup Team Playlist. <laughs> it's going to have one song right
0: now. <laughs> Thus far. Pick a card, Joe. I, I mean, that National Anthem section, I, I'm, I feel bad for whatever section has to go next. Rate the kit. Read the kit. Alright, well, the kit is must be intertwined with this anthem. We're talking about the national ethos. Let's see what their kit has in store. Honestly, in my head, I can't even picture it. I, I'm not sure what their colors are. I feel like a light blue is involved, but I'm not sure. I
2: mean their flag has a blue
0: on it, but I don't know
2: what their Yeah, no, I I can't picture it.
0: The twenty eighteen kit release, Joe. It's a Puma kit, and I am dead right. It is a light blue. Maybe a, a sky blue? Maybe a little darker than a sky blue?
2: Dare we say San Diego Chargers blue?
0: The kit is predominantly, quote, silver lake blue. <laughs> which,
2: it's the silver trinkets,
0: man. Which is essentially sky blue. But man, I think silver lake blue is a combination of powder blue. Wait, wait,
2: wait. wait. Do you see this, like, this sun symbol in the middle?
0: Yeah. That's
2: interesting. So it says... An engineered jacquard graphic inspired by the Sol de Atlantida monument in Uruguay graces the front of the country's 2018 World Cup kits.
0: Wow. I mean, that's awesome, Joe. I'm seeing it now. I love that. I- I'm seeing the picture of the real thing and the uh, the graphic on the kit.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it makes sense. If you're Uruguay, this is like – okay. I would venture to say, and look, think about the celebrity we talked about with Uruguay. Worldwide, outside of Uruguay, the word Uruguay will be mentioned more every four years than the other three years in between World Cups combined.
0: Well, unless you're saying, I want canola oil, but I want the Uruguay stuff. Only I want the, the Uruguay yeah. canola oil. That's That's right. not, I don't want any knockoff crap. No, of this Paraguayan shit. <laughs> get that oh, out, it. Get out of My get, get it out of
2: here. <laughs> but... This is World Cup time. Is Uruguay's time to shine? Yeah. This tiny non-island nation. <laughs> this tiny, not landlocked. Either. There are no island nations in South America, Joe. This tiny nation. This is it. You, you should show off a monument. It's a great idea. Show off what Uruguay has to offer. They should put on like the phone number for the Uruguayan Tourism Board. <laughs>
0: Should be the first team that has an advertisement on their on their uh, kit, which isn't it isn't like Puma or Adidas. It's like the tourism yeah, board. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Visit Uruguay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, look, I mean,
2: it's great. It's boring, but I really do like the sun symbol in the
0: middle. It's I, really nice. I think it's a nice kit. Now I'm just trying to think like. In the World Cup, when I think of, you know, like when we were doing the Socceroos and we had the green and, you know, whatever, they're yellow, I'm like, I understand those are Australian colors, but like those colors to me feel just reserved for Brazil. Like yeah. that's Brazilian no, I mean, colors. Look,
2: this is a little Argentina.
0: But Argentina has the stripes. Like I feel like this, when I think if somebody told me what's a powder blue slash sky blue kit that doesn't have stripes, yeah, I would think Uruguay.
2: Right, right. And I mean also like what are they going to do? That's their flag color, right? Like yeah. I mean like like they're going to be like, well, Uruguay's got the powder blue. We're going to be purple. Like Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, club teams can do whatever they want really. I mean, yeah. even, you know, have they have like random, but like you're going to be stuck with your nation's colors, but I mean, powder blue is a good national color too. Yeah. And you're right. Argentina is sort of known for the stripes.
0: Yeah, the stripes are a key part of it.
2: I think it's a nice kit. I like the sun symbol. I think they're, and to your point, it is somewhat iconic. Like one game into the World Cup, you're gonna be able to glance at it on TV and know that you're seeing
0: Uruguay's playing. Yeah, Uh,
2: this is seven out of
0: ten. Joe, you've given a seven to the last three teams and rate the kit. You're in a zone. You're hey, it's these
2: kits that are really nice, but not blowing me away yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, next seven atrocities.
2: You know, these wild cards are really hiding at the bottom of the deck.
0: <laughs> Just like when I was playing uh, cards against you. <laughs> Couldn't fucking buy a bucket. Atrocity section, of course, by fan emeritus Josh PhD. He says, Atrocities in Uruguay. The history of Uruguay. Mostly good. During its very early history, it was a site of imperial violence as the Spanish and Portuguese empires fought for control of the region during the 18th and early 19th centuries. Some bad stuff went down with the indigenous peoples of the region, but that's really on the Spanish and the Portuguese. There was a brutal military regime in the 1970s and 1980s. Political opponents were imprisoned, tortured, and murdered. That said, things turned around in the mid-1980s, and Uruguay even had a former political dissident from the period as their head of state recently. Today, it's all good. Atrocity level, spicier than Sweden, but not by much.
2: I mean... As far as military dictatorships go, there was no genocide.
0: That's, that's like a good thing. That's, if there was genocide, Josh would have found it. I
2: know. We can almost always speed around this because even though I've never met Josh, I so thoroughly trust his research based partially on how well it's presented and partially based on just your own vouching for him that like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what else to talk about. Like, yeah. like Josh has given it up. It makes sense to me. What do we give to Sweden?
0: you gave we've had really good luck with this category. Sweden got a 9 out of 10, Costa Rica got a 10 out of 10. Yeah. But again, this is um, you know, I, I, I we've got something here. We've got and, I mean,
2: to be fair to looking forward, you could say and I don't know this at all, but like you could say whatever combination of factors were present that allowed for a military dictatorship to arise might still be present, right? Like that's that's you know, like, Costa Rica doesn't have a standing army. Yeah. It's hard to have a military dictator to not over a standing army.
0: Yeah. But, 7 out of 10. Feels fair, Joe. What Two categories left? left. Fan culture and drink. So there's only really one left. That's going to be either the fan culture or the wild card. Fan culture. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the wild card's at the bottom of the pack. All right. But no shortage of excitement, Joe, in the reveals again. At least this time I felt like we were bouncing around yeah, a little that was bit. That's great. Super fan Yannick. Fan culture. He always he likes to go to the Reddit community to sort of get the fan culture from the primary source. And he says the Reddit community of Uruguay was the most welcoming of anyone I asked. Everyone in Uruguay follows the NT, which I assume means national team, and they are called the Celeste, which means sky blue. Joe, I love it. Joe. I love it. Whenever the national team plays, the country stops. They're very proud to have accomplished so much, even though they only have about 3 million people living in their country. Furthermore, most are very confident they have the best national team in a long time. Uruguayans Mm -hmm. are known to be extremely passionate. They cry a lot and stay forever in the stadium when the game is already over. Uruguayans national team has its own motto, the term... Los de afuera son de palo. Those on the outside are of wood. (laughs) Oh, wow. There's
2: something lost in translation there, I think.
0: (laughs) Maybe. It could have been lost in my pronunciation, too. I don't know. This dates back to the World Cup final in 1950 when they faced Brazil in their home stadium, the Maracana in Rio de Janeiro, the Maracanaco. Around 20,000 people were in the stands and cheering against Uruguay. Coach Juan Lopez said, Los de afuera son de palo during halftime when Brazil was up 1-0. This led to Uruguay scoring two goals in the second half, leading them to a 2-1 win over the home team Brazil, securing their second World Cup triumph. Only what happens on the pitch matters.
2: Everything else is just fucking what.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. See, I was a little confused because wood is actually their third largest export, but that's a modern thing. That wasn't back then.
2: So so back then it would have been like, everything outside of this pitch is wood, an important piece of our global economy.
0: <laughs> well, not then. In right. fact, back then it must have been just forests everywhere right. that they hadn't cut down yet. So that was like, like when you were in the big city, it was like everything houses happened. and Don't stuff, it. <laughs> everything else, it's just trees as far as the eye could see.
2: So it would be very literal, like- the minute you leave this pitch, it's all just worthless.
0: It. Worth <laughs> <it. laughs> be, be fucking careful. <laughs> is the point? <laughs> <laughs> well, we figured it out, Joe. Yeah. Beautiful. When you, when you understand the historical context, Joe, it all we, comes it, together. It all makes sense. I'm glad we did this category last. We would have missed so much. We would have missed so much. So, their key chants are Soy Celeste, Soy Celeste, Celeste Soy Yo. All right, let's try it. Is this a common response? I don't. Well, I think we say it together. Okay. Soy Soy Celeste, Celeste. Soy Soy Celeste, Celeste, Celeste. Soy Soy Yo. yo. I like it. Their main rival, Argentina, dating all the way back to the World Cup Final in 1930. They are also very close rivals, and get this, Joe, they also have sky blue kits. Yeah. But the stripes, stripes. Yannick didn't mention the stripes, and Brazil is also a rival. But apparently Argentina is a bit more of a main rival. I mean, if you're going to have rivals... That's pretty good. Yeah. Because we were digging Costa Rica a little bit, because, I mean... Yeah. They've beaten Argentina and Brazil both times to win the World Cup, and Yannick di- didn't do his research perfectly. It wasn't quite the World Cup final. It was just the last match in the group stage. The Uruguay ended up winning. It was the de facto final, but yeah. it wasn't yeah. like the mono final. But they've beaten Brazil and Argentina. I mean... If you're talking about building a rivalry, Joe, the teams you've met in World Cup Finals are de facto World Cup Finals.
2: Not just that, but your neighbor, no yeah. less. Like, that's going to
0: last forever. Absolutely.
2: And everything outside of Uruguay is fucking wood. They don't care about
0: anything. <laughs> <me. laughs> it doesn't matter. In fact, if you're trying to get from Uruguay to either Argentina or Brazil, there's a lot of wood in the way.
2: We talked about it last week with Costa Rica. You did not respond well to me. But I asked the question, are these the Green Bay Packers? These really are the Green Bay Packers
0: of world football. First of all, it wasn't last week. It was three days ago.
2: Yeah, but in podcast time, it feels (laughs) like
0: a month ago. But the point is... This is the literal... This is the Green Bay Packers. They won the first two World Cups. They won the
2: first two World Cups. They're good and like a solid team that kind of has no right to be that good for the market that they represent. Absolutely. And yet they still are. And they will continue to be.
0: And, I mean... The Vince Lombardi Trophy is named after the Green Bay Packers coach. When they said we need to, we need a place to hold the inaugural World Cup, they said Uruguay.
2: Right, right. I mean, it seems like it's a great fan culture. I also like the fact that the Reddit community would like take me in as a refugee of, you know, for this World Cup, which is an important factor to me.
0: I mean, we know the Costa Ricans would. We're not sure how, what the Uruguayans feel about refugees. Costa Ricans. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, if you're a refugee, it's really hard to get to Uruguay. Like you really, basically the amount of like external facing coastline is really tiny. You're either going to go to Brazil or Argentina.
2: Yeah. But if you were just to randomly land anywhere, like let's say that you were like a, like a Syrian
0: refugee, you're on a raft floating in the ocean. <laughs> you floated across the entire South Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Well, okay. Let's say you were on like a
2: huge like steam, you know, like huge boat, but you like jumped off in a lifeboat
0: at some point. Question. Yes. Since you mentioned a steam-powered boat, are we talking about a hundred years ago or are we talking about some sort of modern steam-powered boat? Modern. Because this does not sound up to any sort of maritime codes of the of the modern day. It's modern.
2: But you're a refugee. You, you get on whatever boat you can. Let's. you steal one of those... <laughs>
0: If um, there's a steamboat and they're like, we're going, we're going across the Atlantic, I would say, pass. You're a refugee in Trump's America. This is what (laughs) happens. No, no, I'm going to lay it out for you.
2: You, you hijack with with others a one of those Mississippi steamboats with the big wheel (laughs) in the back.
0: Is there a casino? Yes. Oh, there
2: is. Okay. You you make it out of the Mississippi into the Gulf of Mexico. You head down south, and then your boat gets attacked you jump into a lifeboat and you start you don't know where you are you start rowing you follow some seagulls you,
0: you row down the entire eastern coast of South America no no you,
2: you made it most of the way down
0: at this point well where were you going to the South Pole you don't know I
2: mean you weren't in charge of the seagull. You're, you're in charge now you're in your light boat. you don't know
0: you like the fact walk. that you have avoided land for this much time shows you have very incompetent abilities yeah
2: everyone's fucking gambling in the casino okay here's the point <laughs>
0: Which way should we go? Spin the roulette wheel. Let's just go whatever way it points.
2: Here's the point. Here's the point I'm making. You're in your lifeboat. You're just rowing. You see a seagull. You're like, oh my God, let's follow. Of the places you could land, Uruguay seems like the best one.
0: Uruguay seems pretty good.
2: The luckiest of those three options would be Uruguay.
0: Well, honestly, if this were the third country we were doing and I knew more about the other two, I could say definitely. But I can say knowing in a vacuum... Is Uruguay good or bad? It definitely seems like it's a slam dunk place. Montevideo
2: sounds great, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. You come in. Look, we know they got meat. We know they got the olive oil to cook that meat in. It's going to be – you're eating well. Yeah. At minimum. Now, the problem is I'm worried that if you come in as a male, they'll sort of put you one of these academies and yeah, they'll but be you
2: like – You do have to do it through the academy. <laughs>
0: That's true. But no, no. My point is like they'll see you don't have what it takes and then you're just like – you're like, oh, you're now cutting lumber. You're, you're everything else is wood. <laughs> <laughs> you are now in the everything else. How
2: long do you think you would last in a Uruguayan academy before they just kicked you out?
0: Well, I think I would last zero seconds because they would ask my age and be like, you're done.
2: <laughs> you're done.
0: I think if I were a kid, I could make it like one season.
2: What wow, One season? Wow. Yeah,
0: I, I was pretty good, Joe, when I was a kid. I give myself a solid 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Uruguayan good, but... I think they would think I have potential because mm-hmm. I, I think like you, they're they're looking for toughness. I think really anybody can be tough. So you just – I would just have to like really try to
2: – Like bite three people right away. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh,
0: that guy. That guy's got some chompers. That's how he made it up through the academy. <laughs> you know, in the academy definitely, it's not like they got like five refs looking at the field. You bite people, get ahead of They're like, oh, that guy yeah. scoring so many goals. They, they train you on it. Yeah. He's like he bit me and be like, who, who cares? Yeah. Toughen up. Uh, you're wood. <laughs> no, everything else is wood. You're, yeah. you're not wood. I'm just saying, if you get bit and fall down, no, you're, you're off yeah, the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're wood. What are you talking about again? Fan culture. Yeah. I sort of lost our thread there a little bit. This was good, though. But you've had so much coffee, Joe. a top coastery and expert.
2: I know. I, I, but my mind is racing. That's the problem. Eight out of ten. Great fan culture.
0: 8 out of 10, Joe, tying it with Costa Rica. You, you love the small, passionate countries, and why not? Joe, our final card, it's a wild card, but we already know what it is. It's a drink, but we didn't drink it. But you're going to drink it when you, when you go home. And grappa honey sounds great. Yeah. You, you know you like grappa. And
2: this co- coffee is coursing through my veins in a really delightful way. So, yeah, let's just give it a placeholder, 4.5 out a ten.
0: Four and a half out of ten. Yep. Our final tally for Uruguay seventy points for an average of six point three six. Joe Costa Rica with an average of six point four five, a score I have scant memory of (laughs) went made it through. Sweden with five point nine six average made it through. Australia The Socceroos, 4.83, was rejected. Before you decide, final thoughts from superfan Bez. He says, Uruguay, a great team on paper that underperforms. Could be a dark horse for your team if you can overlook Bitey McBiteface himself, Luis Suarez. Which we know I (laughs) can. Which we know. Little does Bez know. Bez thought that was going to, you know, really... No. Yeah. Change your opinion. No one wants to face them. They got an easy group, which they should win easily and could make a run at the trophy. Not sure if I can forgive them for beating Ghana in 2010 when they cheated to win. When Suarez punched the ball off the goal line, but kind of missed the penalty with the last kick of the game. No,
2: that was that was a great move. Remember I remember
0: that? that. I remember that. No. That was a great. That move was because, unbelievable.
2: You know. Okay, let's pause on this for a second. Once again, much maligned Uruguay. Every team should do that. You should do that in a situation where if you don't. Slap down the ball. Yes, you're going to give a penalty. Of course you are. But, of course, the reason why you want it is that there's a whatever, 3% chance they'll miss that penalty. 5%
0: chance, probably. Oh, it's more than that. I think, it, I think penalty is at best like 80-20.
2: So in the situation where you will 100% lose, Yeah. if you allow it in, like, you, like that should happen every time.
0: Joe, the, your family is a well-known group of cheaters. I do not believe in cheating. I believe in fair play. But that's not even cheating. I, of course, you who actively cheats in every game we play, you don't consider anything cheating. No, but
2: that, but that is, but that is, it's it's making a calculated decision that the punishment is better than compliance with
0: the rule. Joe, I understand why you think this, and I understand your rationale. And- is fouling at the end of a basketball game cheating? Fouling in the end of a basketball game is very different. It's, it's, no, it's,
2: it's just it's it's a strategic part of the
0: game. Yes, it's a so strategic part of the game. I'm not arguing that it happened and that it helped Uruguay win, and good for them. If my team did it, I would probably begrudgingly grit my teeth, not on somebody's skin, like Luis Suarez, but <laughs> and be like, all right, it's good. And if they miss a penalty kick, I would probably have a little... Coy smile. But if they made the penalty kick and then the guy like turned around and gave the middle finger to the guy who knocked the goal, I would also be like, good for him because it's bullshit. You know, so many sports could be ruined by a bunch of this bullshit and people believe in fair play and it's good for the sport. That's why I like baseball because baseball actually has a rule that the umpire... I mean, I guess soccer has this too, although I don't know if the referee can award goals... But in baseball, basically, the umpire literally has complete discretion to do anything that he feels advances like the spirit of the game. He can literally say the player like hits a ball that's like grounds in the field and the umpire can be like, that's a home run.
2: No, the argument about the 2010 game was that that is something that is not in the ref's power. Yeah. The ref can award penalty kicks, the ref can award, or you can give red cards
0: and yellow cards. That's it. I mean, Joe. Look, we're going in circles here. I know you support it, and look, you're picking the team. I don't like it. I like fair play, but I know you don't. I, I play these games with you. I have to keep a constant vigilant eye on you to block you. I like scrappy play. This is scrappy. I know, scrappy. Joe. It's Joe picks a World Cup yeah,
2: team. That was great. I, I have nothing to rate. Bez nine out of ten. Wait,
0: <laughs> you have you have something much more to rate, Joe? Are they moving on? Of course, they're moving. Yeah. Well, like, I'm trying to build up the drama here. Oh, sorry. Anybody who's listening to this podcast two hours in. You're right.
2: I don't know, huh? Yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) They're moving on. Wow. Three out of the first four teams are moving on. We might might need an intercontinental playoff or something. Let's do our last set of business, which is pick out our next five teams that we're doing. All right, Joe. Our next five teams are... Morocco. Portugal. A team we've already brought up today. Argentina. Poland. And Serbia. Okay, this is is a good group. So I think we've got... I wouldn't call it a a
2: group of death, but that's
0: good. I mean, we've got an obvious Class A team in Argentina. I mean... The two best players in the world we're talking about. Yep. And a couple of other teams that I know nothing about, but they're in the World Cup. Wait, does
2: Harry Kane play for one of these teams? I don't know. <laughs> I don't maybe, know what you're talking about. Maybe. Two best
0: players in the world.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> our, any of our ultra Premier League fans are going to love that. The rest of the fans, the, our Uruguayan fans are not going to give a crap. Joe? Should I end the podcast with a four-and-a-half-minute rendition of the Uruguay National Anthem or just do a normal thing? I'd like to hear it from you. Okay. <laughs> let's <laughs> well, stick with the normal thing. Joe, great podcast, great time hanging out with you in Mexico.
2: So listeners, first-time listeners, you want to send in a comment for any of these teams. Also, we're doing Russia next, so it's still time to get in comments, questions, thoughts on Russia. Email us, JoePixPod. What, what is it? Email us at what?
0: Email us at worldcup at com And Joe, for any people who have listened for this long, it's time to let them in. Absolutely. We're going to start putting up information in the Secret Lounge, which is only for you. Anybody who's listening right now. Yes. When you make it over the first two-hour podcast, you're a super fan. JoePixpod.com slash secret lounge. That is where we're going to put up all sorts of special information, which we will... Yeah. refer to later in the podcast series and you get access to the special email which moves your comments straight up to the top we're guaranteed to put them on the show don't email world Cup at that's for regular fans you're a super fan email vip at joepickspot.com we want to hear your comments about russia we want to hear your comments about morocco portugal argentina poland or serbia get them in we love to hear from you We'll read them on the the podcast. We'll talk about them, and that's it, Joe. All right. Thanks, Dan. See ya.
2: So let's so you. Out.